Welcome to Murderous Mermaids with Martinis, a podcast discussing all things horror. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Angie. And uh, spoiler alert. Most of the titles we'll be discussing are relatively well known, but just in case you haven't seen any of the films or television shows that we'll be discussing, we're going to make sure we put uh, the titles in all of our episodes so that you have been forewarned. You have been forewarned. This week's episode is about the 2013 film Oculus, which is all about creepy mirrors. Creepy mirrors, which um, we had a little brief discussion about vampire movies being one of your subgenre favorites. They are indeed. So, in thinking about the mirror of Oculus and its um, effect on people that own it, what would happen if a vampire owned the Oculus mirror? I think if the logic of Oculus, the movie that we watched, holds up, it seems to imply that the people who own the mirror are the ones that are immediately affected by it and end up dying gruesome deaths in some way. So if that is indeed the the logic premise of the world of Oculus, then it seems like Oculus 2, the sequel, a further reflection... (laughs) could be solved by having vampires buy it because they can't see themselves and they can't be affected with ever mind games the mirror may or may not want to play on them and it would protect all of humanity because they're going to live forever and they're not going to sell the mirrors i think we should uh, reach out to the director writer and and pitch this Yes, and we should also CC Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt to reprise their vampire roles because clearly they're going to have to buy this mirror together, right? I love it. Let's do it. (laughs) So I know I am late to the game with watching Oculus, which came out in 2013, but you convinced me that I should watch it. So I watched it, and overall, I enjoyed it. Uh, There was, a, for me, a close call uh, with the Boston Terrier scene, wherein uh, the the main character, Kaylee, reveals that she has, I guess, got a Boston Terrier from the local animal shelter that she refuses to name. I had to pause and, like, breathe in, breathe out, and wonder, like, ooh, this can't be good for the dogs. It's usually not a good scene for pets in horror movies, but given that you told me you had watched it twice, <laughs> I figured it meant that it couldn't have been a completely terrible outcome for the Boston Terrier. Yeah. So I was relieved <laughs> that at least the little, little guy ran away. Or girl. We don't know. Dog is what it's called, so there's no connotation of gender. That is true. <laughs> but I, this is one of my favorite horror films, and I actually have watched it three times now. And um, still, still like it. This third time, I was a little. I think I realized some of the reasons that I like it aren't necessarily the film itself or the story. But uh, number one, I really like red hair, um, even though I don't have red hair, and the main character has red hair. 
I absolutely love Boston Terriers, and there is a little Boston Terrier that survives, and then one of the main characters is named Tim, which is also my husband's name, so in watching it this third time, I'm like, oh, all of these things have drawn me to the movie, other than just the movie itself, although I do like the movie. (laughs) But we don't know for certain that the Boston Terrier survives. I want to believe that the Boston Terrier survives, but it runs off. There's hope. There's hope. But I think of them as very like pugs in the sense that I don't know how well they can fend for themselves in the wild. (laughs) That's true. They are kind of, it's kind of a rural setting and we see it get out the door, but we never see what happens after. Um, In my mind, someone like myself found this Boston Terrier and took it home and it lived a long and full happy life. With a name other than dog. And got named. (laughs) <laughs> but dog jokes aside, um, I I really liked how the movie played with the mirror in this. Um, and I was thinking a lot about how the title is another word for eye and how mirrors are sometimes referred to as looking glasses and it's kind of a personified mirror. And one of the, I guess, questions or issues I was thinking about when w- watching this was whose eye or eyes does the title refer to? Is it the mirror and how it's looking at everyone in the house and controlling them? Or is it the people in the house who look at the mirror and then in some way let that mirror mediate how they view themselves and their surroundings? Because it seems like there's maybe a double possibility there. Yeah, and thinking about you know the mirror and just the connotations that it's had throughout history um, there's a lot of supernatural and occult and um, even superstition associated with mirrors themselves you know, bloody mary <laughs> yes bloody mary breaking a mirror having seven years bad luck at one point people believe that your soul could be trapped within a mirror so there's a lot of things that have been um personified in mirrors in general that are negative in nature and then even um like fun houses use mirrors to distort reality mm-hmm. and distort your perception of yourself we see that a little bit in this film with the uh the mother marie who's played by katie sackoff and she sees herself as overweight when she looks at herself in the mirror so it's providing a distorted view of herself to herself which actually makes her um a little crazy in some ways or that's the the uh, feeling that you're given is that kind of sets her over the edge I'm glad you brought that up because I had forgotten about when the the mom is looking in the mirror in some of the flashback scenes and one of the ones that really stood out for me is uh, when she's looking at her c-section scar in the mirror and in the mirror itself it looks like it's like bloody and infected and generally looks very very painful but when we see, I guess, on the other side of the mirror, it's it's fine. It's fine. It, it's healed up. It looks like an old scar. Um, I thought that was a really sort of a pivotal moment in thinking about uh, how this is a film that's thinking about like the frightening aspects of families because she has these children. She gives birth to these children that are kind of scary in some ways um and how that hurts her yeah so 
when you say the children are scary, as children, they don't come across as scary until after the incident with the father when there's kind of a psychiatric break. But as mm-hmm. children, I didn't see them as scary other than um, maybe a little mischievous or maybe not listening, you know, being a little disobedient to to the mother's wishes, a little disrespectful to the mother at times. Mm-hmm. So those type of things. But I didn't see them as scary as children. The way that they always wanted to play in the study, the home study that had the mirror in it, it was a little creepy. Yeah, and they were shown with um, fake guns chasing each other. Yeah. So there was a connotation that they could be dangerous or harmful in mm-hmm. some way. I can see that. But I didn't, I didn't pick up on the scary aspect until um, we started seeing uh, some of the flashbacks when they're adults. Mm-hmm. And they're thinking back. And then I see some of the um, tendencies for them to be a little um, creepy, as you put it. Yes. <laughs> Although I thought the the mirror itself is, I think, visually really well done because it's it's really bold. It has a creepy antique vibe to it, but it also felt super out of place uh, in that family home. And it seemed kind of strange that that's what the, the father had selected to, I guess, brand his home office space. So the fact that it was kind of like incongruent with the rest of the house I thought was uh, important because in some ways since this is a a mirror that has a lot of baggage that it carries with it it's this I guess reminder of past traumas that is at the forefront of the family's home Mm -hmm. in contrast to like the more contemporary clothing that the family's wearing and um it's not like they're antique collectors or anything. No, no. Like it, it seemed like you know a typical sort of contemporary American suburban family home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely feels out of place, which is of course an important point because this mirror gets blamed at some point for all the bad things that have happened in this family. It kind of becomes the scapegoat, the one thing mm-hmm. that, but. Um, I don't know if you remember that uh, Tim, he said, hey, we bought a couch that one year, and that same year, uh, Grandma or Grandpa died. So, you know, do we blame the couch? Like, there's a Mm -hmm. coincidence here, but not necessarily a correlation between the two things happening. Um, And speaking of Tim, he's the one that ends up in a psychiatric ward for, what, 11 years? And when he comes out, he seems to be the most sane of the siblings. Like, he's come to terms with everything that's happened in the past he has a rational explanation he seems to have had some breakthroughs with memory and why he remembered things differently than what they actually happened Um, but the sister who's been um, portrayed as well adjusted has a great fiance has a good job is actually maybe not been able to have that closure from the trauma from the past and it's the dynamic between those two that's really interesting to see how they feed off each other mm-hmm. and how they um, spur each other on in some ways with the past and trying to rationalize the future. So Kaylee's rationalization is this was a supernatural occurrence. It's the mirror's fault. And I'm going to rationally prove this irrational explanation. Mm-hmm. And then Tim spends his time saying, no, these are the, the coping mechanisms we've 
we've had and this is why we're doing this and this is why these things happen but if you think about it logically this is what and he's like reliving those memories and and explaining them in a very logical rational way and the sister cannot take that in Mm -hmm. she's so obsessed with this mirror and the fact that her father could not have been this horrible monster that that he has remembered that it has to be put on the mirror right that he wasn't himself or yeah um I think the film does a good job of introducing Kaylee under the guise of she seems like a well-adjusted professional but I think as the movie goes on um everything you saw at the start of the film I think comes under question because it seems like her fiance conveniently works for an auction house that can help her relocate this mirror. So it seems like all the things that she's been doing in her uh, personal and professional life have been uh, in tandem with this other goal of refinding the mirror and destroying it or like, reclaiming whatever power in her mind it had over her family. And I think one of the things the film does well is leave it open to the audience as to whether or not there really is something supernatural happening because it does, I think, a really good job of playing with perspective in terms of like when weird things seem to be happening with the mirror, uh, you very rarely have more than one witness to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like when uh, Kaylee's in the, the auction house basement and she's looking at like the drop cloths over top of the, the antique busts and she sees a third one that's not really there, when uh, it's revealed to, I guess, potentially disappear back into the mirror, other people have joined her in the room. So there's no one there to verify or validate her perception that there was something supernatural in the room with her. And I think with the the siblings going back and forth when they're in their former family home with this mirror reinstalled, uh, the the shots where what looks like a flashback scene, they're not just your traditional flashback scene because you see the actor who's playing the adult version of them sometimes be physically present and like looking over the scene. So for me. I read those as I shouldn't just take this as verbatim. Here's like you know the the camera's truth about what really happened with the family. It made it read to me more like here's one person's remembering of what the past may have been. Maybe this isn't entirely accurate. I'm not sure if it's supposed to be reliable, and that's partly what makes it scary because you don't know who to trust like is Tim too gullible because he has spent years in uh, therapy telling him that everything he saw was a lie uh, because there's no common acceptance in contemporary US society for thinking about these things as valid explanations Um, so I think it was a film that didn't clearly position one sibling as necessarily like good or bad or better or worse but like here are two siblings that went through something and had very different reactions had very different experiences after Mm -hmm. and then when they come together as adults and there's that uh, dichotomy of uh, rational and supernatural and so you're as an audience member trying to discern is the most rational explanation that there is was a supernatural occurrence so for someone who 
is very anti, like does not believe those things and is very logical and rational to have that presented as this could be the most rational explanation. It's a little jarring for people to accept. So I Mm -hmm. think there's also that outlet where, oh, this also could have been rationally explained Mm -hmm. um, as a psychiatric mental condition or a break in reality. Mm -hmm. And so it gives audience members kind of the answer that they want based on what their beliefs are. Mm -hmm. So what was your takeaway? Do you think it was potentially rational break with reality explanation or do you think in your viewing that it's an evil mirror that manipulates people well i think it's a reflection (laughs) it's a reflection that um think of the best way to say this so i think kaylee the sister really has projected all of her her um trauma into the mirror and so whether that's supernatural trauma or whether that was real trauma I I feel like that's up in the air I think it's really about a character study almost of people who have been through a trauma and the ways that they find to explain it and move Mm -hmm. forward from it and um, how to make a life after that Mm mm-hmm I think I veer towards reading the film as it was an evil-possessed mirror because I think it makes it more interesting to think about. I think that makes it more horrific. Yes. <laughs> but I... And I thought it was a hideous mirror. It would terrify me if it was in my house. Nobody wants that thing. I don't even know why it got passed down to other people. Like, never destroyed. <laughs> well, apparently... If you think it is something supernatural about the mirror, it might be hard to destroy it. But it what's more frightening is that people are willing to shell out a lot of money for this. Yeah, but everyone, thing. you know, people do this generally anyway. They, True. They buy things that they think are possessed or have some sort of historical ties to horrific or crazy occurrences. True. And are kind of um, infatuated with them in some ways, the way that Kaylee was infatuated with this mirror in the movie. So do you think she killed her fiancé? That was one of the questions that I went back and forth on. I feel like at the end of the film, when the brother's being arrested, they only bring out one body, right? On the, in the body bag? I believe so. If I'm, rem- if I'm remembering correctly, which we all know can be skewed. <laughs> Are you just like, remember it the way that you want to remember it because it matches your... Re- <laughs> I feel like there's only one confirmed body bag that is um, rolled out of the house by, I guess, the emergency response team, which if that's the case, then I would lean towards he wasn't killed. Because he does supposedly call her on her cell phone right after she thinks she has killed him. But we've seen scenes before where the siblings think that the mirror's reach is growing and therefore controlling their cell phones. I'm going to go with no, he didn't get killed. I think she completely has the guilt of possibly offering up an innocent little dog (laughs) in her madness to figure out the mirror. 
I don't think he's um, been killed either. And the reason I don't think that is because when she asks her brother Tim if she if he sees him, sees the dead fiance, he never answers. Like he looks at the wall where Kaylee sees the dead mm-hmm. fiance, but we never see through Tim's eyes whether or not he sees the fiance. And he never answers yes or no, or he just looks at Kaylee like questioningly, like. Mm-hmm. We don't know if that means, like, what did you do or what are you talking about? Yeah. So I think um, I think he did not get killed. Yeah. Well, hopefully for him, that was the case. Now he's got to move on from this trauma. <laughs> Although it seems like uh, he should have been maybe more proactive or concerned when she was printing the photos at the workplace of uh, like crime scene photos and autopsy pictures and all the creepy stuff that she shows when she's doing her, her little documentary that she's uh, recording for posterity. Mm-hmm. He seems relatively laid back about that. Like He's like, hmm, this is disturbing. We should talk about it. And he just kind of drops it. Yeah, she's like, yeah, we're not going to talk about it. And he's like, all right. He's like, okay, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I think that he had some red flags that he didn't follow up on. Yeah, just a few. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. If I would probably pay more attention on a rewatch to looking at the scenes with him uh, to make sure that that uh, seemed to make the most sense. But it seemed to be a movie that is focused on how the people who live in a home or are the family connected with the mirror get affected. Because um, when she's going through her different, like I say, little flashcards about how the mirror has injured and hurt so many people over the years since the 18th century, there's never a discussion of how like there's, I guess, collateral damage, so to speak, of just anyone who passes through the house. That's it's true. the people who are somehow connected to being owners of the mirror mm-hmm. in some way. Yeah, because there's other people that have been in contact and encountered the mirror that, you know, are not accounted for in the way that the family was. Well, yeah, I think that's a good read on it. Yeah. Um, Will you watch it again? Yeah, I would watch it again. I thought it was well done. And I I really want to see the Bollywood remake, which I just learned about. Yeah, it was last year, right? Yeah. I didn't realize Oculus... Does it have a cult following, maybe? <laughs> you know what, like, in, in the sense of, like, it's a cult classic, and we like, The Blob is, a Rocky Horror Picture Show, not, like, <laughs> members of a cult follow the film. <laughs> you gave me a really weird look, so I felt like I had to, like, clarify. <laughs> it was just an interesting use of that word when we're talking about, <laughs> we're talking about horror and, and the film and the mirror. So, yes. Um, I don't think there was a huge cult fall <laughs> for the film. <laughs> but it might turn out to be a cult classic one day. Yeah. I, I thought it was well done. Yeah, and it was apparently filmed in three weeks, which is pretty amazing. That is pretty amazing. Yeah. And it's for me, it's always strange to see Karen Gillan, who plays Kaylee, um, in a role where she's not using her Scottish accent. It's always like, Huh, wait. 
I wasn't expecting that because I know her from Doctor Who. Okay, yeah, I had read. I don't watch Doctor Who, but I had read that she was a Doctor Who character, and so I think a lot of people have that feeling that they associate her with Doctor Who. So this might be a little different for people that know Doctor Who. Yes. And have watched this film. Yes, it's a very different character type, um, very different personality. So um, I thought it worked overall. I. I really liked it. Um, yeah, creepy mirrors. It made me more, um, I don't know how to say it, aware of how mirror decorations are used. <laughs> <laughs> it made me very glad that I have only one decorative mirror in my house and it's small. <laughs> For me, it made me go down a rabbit hole of like the whole mirror history and um, using reflective objects in spiritual ways so yeah I didn't get into all of that with this because like I said it was a big rabbit hole well it's like the uh, evil queen from Snow White too like mirror mirror on the wall she was not the fairest of them all she wanted to be so bad the mirror distorted her perception kind of like mirror inoculus that's right Unless, is it really a distorted perception if it's really like a possessed mirror? I don't know. We'll never know. Our listeners will have to uh, view this one and take, get their own take on it. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for listening and join us next week for another horror discussion. And another martini. Sounds good.